Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. The matchups, the superstars. The games. Starting defense. Place at the table. This is Football Sunday on the Fan. A comprehensive look at today's National Football League action with your hosts, Mike Lynch and Rashad Taylor. You all know what you have to do. Remember, no one, and I mean no one, comes into our house and pushes us around. This is Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. I absolutely love, 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 love hearing that music. Yeah, no, it gets me energized. It does. It's one of those where, like, our other opens cool, and I and I like the 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 song that we picked, the turn down for a while, just because it's and especially now it's like a retro song. Nobody hears that song anymore. This one, I we play it, and it's like, oh yeah, one hour away from kick. It is NFL Sunday, which is, in my opinion, the greatest sports day in the calendar year it by far i every every sunday morning during football season wake up a little bit more jacked than all the rest of the sundays and i, I love college football saturday uh, i love you know playoffs and in, in my i mean my favorite sports baseball so i love the baseball playoffs of course but nothing gets me as excited as a sunday morning with nfl coming up it's just funny because last week was it was a weird week because I had to watch some of the games here after the show ended. And then I was running around trying to get stuff done. And I didn't get back to my house until like two or two thirty. So I missed the end of the early games, which is always sad because those are really exciting times. Mm-hmm. And I missed the beginning of the late games. And I, I was really bummed, even though I had stuff I knew I had to do. I was so, so bummed that. I missed that much football on, on week one. And well, it, it's like, it, it sounds kind of lame. It's like, oh, Mike had things to do. And it's like, yeah, that sucks on football Sunday. Yeah, I just want to get it done. On- the, I just want to sit in front of the TV and watch the NFL all day. <laughs> and you, you're like, well, and you're balancing that. I want to watch some college football on Saturday and I need to get stuff done. And I definitely will be want to be watching NFL all day on Sunday. You know, I, I, I'm typically the lucky guy that I, I get the excuse of I get paid to watch football i get to sit here and push a button every couple minutes and watch the yep. games all day and and it works out for both marie and i where you know she d- she doesn't hate football but i guarantee you she doesn't want to watch it all day long so <laughs> i get what she what i want she gets what she wants it it's a good deal well again today i have things to do so i'm going to miss a probably almost the entirety of, a, of the nfl sunday i made up for it by yesterday sitting in front of the tv literally the entire day watching college football <laughs> wrapping yourself in a syracuse <clears throat> orange oh oh yeah we're gonna get to that less about syracuse though and more about willie taggart i do want to talk about that coming up next segment so pin that keep that in the back of your head 
uh, as, as he is now one and two to start his first year down there. And all three games have been quite ugly for him. But yeah, I, uh, I woke up bright and early because I knew the Syracuse game started at 9 a.m. And I went out for a little run and then came back, watched some Premier League showered and then through the Syracuse came on and of course you had Kansas Rutgers on at 9 a.m. which this station was a buzz about because it's the two worst teams in college football and now we know for sure who the worst team in college football is and it's Rutgers Whew, that came was a blowout in Kansas's favor um and I literally just sat the 12 30 window was awesome I had some pizza had some beer I literally watched football the entire day it helps that my wife is out of town I yeah. had I had free reign of the TV. <laughs> that'll that'll do it. <laughs> that'll do. Um, so that's coming up on the show, the Willie Taggart stuff. I do want to talk about that. Uh, of course, we have our fantasy scramble coming up at nine thirty. If uh, you have fantasy football questions, text them in now to the Better You Today text line at five five three zero five, and we will get to as many as we can in the nine thirty and nine forty five segments. We've already got some coming in, so if you have questions that you'd like answered, please text them in now. We won't miss them. Don't worry. And we will get to them all at the 930 and 945 segment. You can also tweet them at us at, at Mike Lynch 27 and Jesse's at Jesse Osmond, A-S-Z-M-A-N. Uh, Rashad, who is sick today, by the way, uh, he will be out. He is at TaylorMade503 if you'd like to send him some well wishes. But uh, he he texted me this morning at, I believe it was 4 a.m. and said, sick as a dog, bro. Don't know why. I'm not going to be able to make it. I went, okay. Well, I didn't even respond. I was sleeping. But <laughs> I saw it in the morning and was like, all right. There we go. Solo show time or Jesse and Mike show time. And uh, so that's coming up. And we will also have our West Coast bias. Of course, we've got hit or love it coming up in the second hour. Lots of NFL talk coming up in the second hour. I want to give a little love to Aaron Rodgers performance from last week, because I think that was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. And he's playing again this week. So I don't understand how he's doing this, but we'll get to that. But I want to start before we get to a break quickly reacting to Oregon and Oregon State's games last night. Uh, I'm going to start with Oregon just because it's a pretty easy game to talk about, in my opinion. They they played San Jose State. They beat San Jose State, but it was not the prettiest game. It was a game where you where the Ducks were a 41-point favorite, and they only won 35-22. So definitely not the prettiest game. San Jose State is regarded as the worst team at the FBS level. So the it was it was it was ugly. It was, if you watched any of it, it was not, it was not the best. Justin Herbert was not very sharp. He threw a couple of interceptions. He was only 16 of 34. The running game was not working at all. And in reality, the ducks are lucky. San Jose state's as bad as they are. Cause they couldn't take any advantage or they took minimal advantage of how bad the ducks were playing uh, yesterday. I, uh, what baffles me is the running game. Um, there's too much talent in that backfield. They've been recruiting four-star running backs it seems like for years now um and we've seen uh, we've seen these guys in the past make plays so that that's what's concerning to me is the running game um i i think certain other aspects herbert um throwing a couple interceptions not too worried about that i think we all are on board with that guy is uh one of if not the best quarterbacks in college football right now um so i I think there might have been a little bit of a overlooking this team. Oh, for sure. Weekend. Especially with Stanford coming up next week. And that's now on college game day, by the way. So that's going to be the big uh, promoted game next week is Oregon Stanford. Both will be, I mean, Oregon's going to move up slightly in the rankings just by default because they won and other teams around them lost and Stanford's already in the top 10. So 
it's going to be a really high-ranked matchup. So I could certainly see that being a thing. But I think this also opens the door for a little bit of those questions that people had about Marcus Arroyo and the play calling going into the season was you thought the defense would be fine under Jim Levitt. You knew it wasn't fully ready back to like Nick Elioti defense style, but it was getting better and you have really good players in the defense in, uh, in Troy Dye and Jalen Jelks, et cetera, and Ugo Amati, who's been playing out of his mind so far this season. So that's been a positive for the Ducks. But um, you, you were worried about the offensive play calling with Marcus Arroyo because he didn't have this cachet as being a great offensive coordinator. And so far, that really hasn't been much of an issue. But yesterday, kind of when you see the Ducks run for just 134 yards in the game, and I know that sounds a little silly, but where your top two rushers get 42 and 39 yards on 15 and 10 carries respectively. That's a little bit concerning to me. And maybe we chalk it up to just being an overlooked game, but, and they won. So, you know, they're three and oh, and that's all that matters. You just win, win the games that are in front of you, but a little bit of concern. That's all. Yeah, no, I, I this is definitely um, nothing to overreact about. I think next week is the real barometer of how good this team is. Um, and how much work there is to be done with not just on the field work, but coaching staff as well with this, you know, being uh, a new year for all of them in, in the positions that they're at. So I, I think, you know, let's, let's hold off real opinion until next week, but obviously looking past this opponent this week and, uh, I'm not too worried about it. The The offense is a little concerning. I, I've thought that since week one, though. And, and I think a lot of that is you got a lot of young um, receive, receivers, skill position guys that uh, still got to figure out how to how to play at this next level. Oregon State falls to Nevada in a really, really close game, 37 to 35. The big talking point is Jonathan Smith's interesting choice at the end of the game when he still had a couple of timeouts left uh, and the ball was in the red zone that he could have run the ball a couple of times and tried to score a touchdown to win it instead he decided to with I believe it was 12 seconds to go and then he called a timeout at four seconds just have uh just have the quarterback just kind of kneel and get get a centered up kick without taking any of the timeouts people were questioning that decision and he then missed the field goal and Oregon State loses 37-35. It was a game-winning field goal that uh, that Fleming's – or not Fleming, sorry, that uh, Chukar missed. And Ego, maybe with how good the running game was going again for Oregon State, maybe you have uh, Jefferson get in for a touchdown and you don't even have to worry about the kicking game because we all know how good college kickers are in pressure situations. So I think that's the big question around Oregon State is why did Jonathan Smith make that decision? But – to me, I want to look at this as a bit of a moral victory as much as probably Beaver fans hate that. He didn't win the game, but after getting torched defensively in the first half, completely stopped Nevada besides one touchdown in the fourth quarter. Running game again, electric. The offense, again, electric. How about Isaiah Hodgins? 200 yards receiving on 14 catches. Timmy Hernandez, 116 yards receiving on 11 catches. You had both Jake Luton and Connor Blount play in the game and both played fairly well, effectively. Things Look, I know it's a loss to Nevada. I know it's a loss to a middle-of-the-road Nevada team, and you, you thought maybe the Beavs could get this win. And may, the Beavs probably should have gotten the win, but the offense looks good and the defense is improving quickly. 
I'm not saying the 37 points is good. I'm saying the second half adjustments to stop them from scoring. So I'll, I'll say moral victory for the Bees as much as that probably frustrates them. Stocks on the rise. Yeah. It, th- this is the most exciting um, talk that we've had out of Corvallis in several years um, the, since Riley left for <laughs> um, uh, left. And so this is a, a real exciting for, for the state of Oregon because I think Oregon itself has been dying for the Civil War to be relevant again. And um, the Ducks look like they're back to looking like a good program again. How good? We don't know. But the fact is, it's shaping up to look like it should, at the very least, be a fun Civil War to watch this year, which is something to look forward to going into um, into November. Yeah, I think as long as Oregon State stays healthy, they don't have a very deep team yet as they try to rebuild from the woeful Gary Anderson years. So if they stay healthy, then yeah, that it could be way more interesting, especially because the Ducks defense is not at a level yet where it, it can stop every single opponent. We did get a couple of texts before we break on the better you today text line, both along the same, same line saying, do you think they were being Oregon was being super vanilla in play calling because Stanford was coming up next week and they knew they were playing San Jose state. Sure. Possible. But my concern is, is, more is Marcus Arroyo's play calling vanilla in general. That's my concern because haven't we heard that a couple of times now? Oh, well, they're just, they're holding it back for PAC 12 play. Well, how many games are you going to say that until you go, well, maybe he's just a pretty vanilla play caller and he doesn't have that creativity to call plays that, that work or, or not work, but that, that surprise the defense and, and lead to, to more scores. So, again, I, you might be right. Maybe he is keeping it vanilla for the Stanford game. It's a big game coming up next week for sure. But I just – I've always had that in the back of my head when they made it Royal the offensive coordinator that's worried that it wasn't going to work out as well as Oregon fans hoped. And so far, it's it's fine. It's fine. But last game was concerning for sure. All right, coming up next, Willie Taggart is 1-2 and two in his debut at Florida State. And yes, I want to talk about this because it was my team that beat him yesterday a little bit, but I also want to talk about it because it's the talk of not only Tallahassee and not only the national college football world, but also here because a lot of people here are rooting against Willie Taggart. So let's get to that next here on football Sunday on 10 into the fan. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 the fan. Nine nineteen here on your Sunday morning. Mike and Jesse with you. Rashad's out sick today, so let's wish him well. Week two of the NFL season starting in about 40 minutes from now. We'll get to our fantasy scramble coming up next segment. Already got a lot of questions on the Better You Today text line 55305, but if you have it, please send it in to there, and we will get to as many as we can in the last half hour of this hour. 10 o'clock hour coming up. Still hate it or love it. West Coast bias. want to talk about the Raiders and if they're actually going to be bad this year under John Gruden. And uh, a little Aaron Rodgers love as well for what he did last week, which was truly, truly impressive in my opinion. But let's wrap up some of the college football talk here with a story that I know is near and dear to many of your hearts. And that is that Florida State, under new head coach Willie Taggart, who signed a six-year deal this offseason, is one and two with losses to 
Virginia Tech in week one, which on its face was not the worst loss in the world, right? They were another ranked team, but 24 to three was the final score. And they just lost to Syracuse yesterday, <clears throat> excuse me, which is very exciting for me. It was a very fun game to watch. 30 to seven. And in the middle of that, they played Samford, not Stanford, Samford. And Samford was winning that game until about seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter when Florida State won 36 to 26. And then Seminole fan acted like they beat Stanford. Well, not Samford. Seminole Twitter did, <laughs> like the actual <laughs> official Twitter account, but not the actual fans themselves who were already in panic mode. So if you're counting at home, Against FBS opponents this year, Willie Taggart has lost 54 to 10 combined to Virginia Tech and, Sir- and Syracuse. Now, yesterday's game was glorious, but for Florida State fan, absolutely embarrassing. I saw this stat yesterday and it, it blew my mind. And this was, this is uh, with 626 to go in the second quarter. Florida State had 62 total yards. In week one, Syracuse gave up 621 yards against Western Michigan. Syracuse's defense is bad. Not good. Bad. Syracuse's offense is pretty good, but their defense is bad. And Florida State, through the middle of the second quarter, had uh, 62 total yards and also was down at halftime 6 to nothing because Syracuse couldn't do anything right on offense. And... The whole game was perfectly captured in the last play of the first half. When Florida State was driving, they were in field goal range down 6 nothing, And with 15 seconds to go, the only play to make with no timeouts left is to throw the ball into the end zone, go for the touchdown, or throw it out of bounds, and then kick the field goal if you don't get the touchdown. Instead, they threw it in bounds, got tackled, Play clock ran out. They didn't score. It was 6-0 at halftime. Florida State had 10 penalties in the game, again, which Oregon fan knows very well. Penalties all over the place. Uh, This time they had, let me find the exact number, 11 penalties, excuse me, 11 penalties for 90 yards. And watching that game, because I did, they were all of the stupid variety, like late hits, just really, really undisciplined football from Florida state, which last year saw plenty of that from, from Oregon when Willie Tiger was the head coach. And I I just, I don't think Willie Taggart is that good of a head coach. He's a great recruiter. We all found that out last year, but Oregon had issues last year, which we all knew as well. And for some reason, Willie Taggart, maybe it's because he worked under Jim Harbaugh and was in the Stanford tree and all that kind of stuff, had one or two successful years at South Florida and was able to parlay that into Oregon and Florida State in back-to-back years. I just don't think he's that good of a head coach in terms of on-the-field stuff. Florida State has a ton of talent, a ton of talent, and they have scored 10 points against FBS opponents this year in two games. Ten. And as much as Syracuse is better, and as much as it does me well to hear that they win 30-7, to Syracuse should not be beating Florida State at all. No. Not, it shouldn't even be a thought that Syracuse should beat Florida State, but yet everyone picked Flo- or Syracuse to win this week. 
Everybody did because they knew Florida State was bad right now under Willie Taggart. And I don't know. It's 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 pretty crazy right now. I was I was kind of trolling Florida State Twitter just to just to kind of hear what was going on on their end. And um, the one side was obviously panicking because they're Florida State fans and they're one and two when they lost to Syracuse by 23 points. But the other side was saying they were blaming Jimbo Fisher. They were saying, much like Oregon fans said with Willie Taggart, although maybe you dodged a bullet there, Oregon fan, likely you did, that Jimbo Fisher's a snake and the way he left the program to go to Texas A&M is BS and he left the program in a really bad spot. They hadn't been recruiting as well for a couple of years, and now he's gone, and Willie Taggart has to deal with that not great recruiting class, which I kind of call BS on, but that's the other that's the other side from Florida State fan trying to be patient. Um, what do you think happens with Willie Taggart at the end of the season or this season? Does Florida State turn it around? Do they win some games that they shouldn't win, quote unquote, in, in the ACC and and have a decent season to make it seem a little bit better? Or do they have to, they being the school, decide whether or not they're going to pay 21 plus million dollars and fire Willie Taggart at the end of the season? What do you think happens? Well, I think we were talking about this um, right before the show started and I was like, oh, it looks like they're going to have a big possible decision to make here at the end of the season. And then you brought up, I didn't realize how long that contract was and how much the buyout was. Of You said six years, $21 million. Well, that well, the, I think the deal was six years, 30 mil, and the buyout would be 21 mil yeah. at the end of the first season. Yeah. Which, for any school, throwing $21 million at a coach after one year – um, to get rid of them it is a hard, hard, hard sell. Um, not necessarily your boosters because your boosters want to win, but Florida State's not a, a private institution. Nope. And so you're also looking at the fact that this is a technically a state institution, and you have to think about that, about how you're spending your money, and the fact that he only had one year, like you said, you brought in Jim, you still have Jimbo Fisher's guys, uh, we all know the one thing that you can get excited about when it comes to w- Willie Taggart, it's his recruiting. So he he still has to get his guys in there. So I, I don't see him getting fired at the end of the season. In fact, he's probably going to bring in some talent because that's what he does. But the fact is, is he's probably not going to maximize that talent. And maybe he's not getting fired next year either. But I'm thinking if he doesn't figure things out by year three, he's on a major hot seat. And this is a guy that might not even make it through year three. Well, although I think most logical people would agree with you in that sense that all college coaches should be given some time to implement a system and get their own players and whatnot. I mean, and maybe Jimbo Fisher did leave it in a worse place than we thought he did. But you know how in these college crazy towns, especially in the Southeast, how little patience there is and how quickly the quick they are to and a relationship like that, I could very, very easily see this being a one and done just because of how rash a decision could be made by the the people in Tallahassee. And is that deserved? Probably not. It, it really is never deserved. A coach does deserve more time than that. But Florida State is a, is a program that has made, like I think it was 36 straight bowl games. 
And the way they're looking right now, that ain't happening. Their offensive line is horrific. Yes. Like if you've seen any of the videos from that game yesterday, it's they, they couldn't block a wet paper towel. It would still go right over them. Like absolutely no talent at all on that offensive line. It was it was obscene how quickly DeAndre Francois got hit in the in the game yesterday. And I'm assu- I didn't watch the Virginia Tech game, but I'm assuming in that game as well. Um, Francois even at one point looked up at his offensive lineman who was giving him a hand, said something, turned around himself, and got up himself. <laughs> so things are going well in Tallahassee, but I, I do I do wonder if if because it is there and it is Florida State that that could be a one and done kind of thing. I. I could see it happening. Is it possible? Yes. I think unlikely um, just because of all the things that I said before. Uh, I'll tell you what, though, if it just totally goes off the rails, he fails to take care of business in the ACC and they basically are the bottom of the barrel there. Maybe this gets in the fast track to, to getting rid of rid of Willie Tagger, but that, that $21 million price tag, um, is going to make them think long and hard about a decision like that. Um, that it just it's even when it's a, a price tag of like five six million dollars, that's hard for an institution uh, to swallow. So when you when you're getting up in there into the twenty plus million dollars to to get rid of somebody, it makes it really hard even for an institution like Florida State. It does. It's gonna be it's gonna be a tough decision for them. And, uh, oh, yeah, just one more stat. I just I found this. I was scrolling through where I was looking yesterday. 1 of 14 on third down, 0 of 1 on fourth down. And I want to say 10 of their first 12 drives were three and outs. So offensive play calling slash offensive line. Not not going very well as I give the fake thumbs up in the studio here. If I'm taggered, I'm just going, hey, these aren't my guys. Yeah, These aren't my guys. You know, that's kind of, I mean, you we can make this same conversation down in UCLA right now with Chip Kelly. Uh, they look which, even worse than Florida State. It, they look really bad, and that's that's uh, what a guy we know has had great success, who is a fantastic offensive mind and can't get things going down there. Really struggled against Fresno State yesterday, and it, you think about it, I, they're not calling for his head. I think a lot of people are really logical about the fact that one, his style of play is so much different that we just got to wait for Chips guys to get in there. He's got a little bit more cachet as well with his his record in college football, but yeah, uh, yeah, I mean it's it's just kind of funny how much people are calling for Taggart's head all, already after three weeks, and Chip Kelly's teams look so bad. But they're like, it's all right, it's all right, no big deal. All right, let's break because coming up next it is time for the fantasy scramble. And by the way, feel free to text your thoughts to the better you today text on a five five three zero five, and uh, let us know what you think about the Willie Taggart start. As I know that a lot of you guys out there are laughing uh, about it. And uh, but coming up next, it is time for the fantasy scramble. We've already got a lot of them, but if you have any fantasy football start sick questions, feel free to text them in to the Better You Today text line five five three zero five. We'll get to them next. This is Football Sunday in the Fan. Here's Jesse with sports. This is what you get when you wait until the last minute. It's your pick. Fine, whatever. Blah, 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 blah. This guy. A kicker. I like kickers. Listen up, you fantasy coaches. Mike and Rashad are here to save your butt with some last-minute injury news and roster advice. The only reason my team finishes terrible as it is because everybody on the team was hurt. Literally every single player on my team was hurt. This is Fantasy Scramble, part of Football Sunday on 1080 The Fan. 
937 here on your Sunday morning. We are 23 minutes away from kick and partial roster locking in your leagues. So text in your fantasy football start sick questions to the better you today text line at 55305. We already got a lot, so let's get rolling pretty quickly. First one, Flex, Dion Lewis, TJ Eldon, PPR League. Uh, for me, this one's a, it, it's a tougher one, but Dion Lewis was much better than Derrick Henry last week and got way more touches. And with the weird situation there at quarterback, which is Blaine Gabbert starting, but Mariota's active and warming up, but we don't think he can grip the football, so I'm not really sure what they're going to do. I'm, I'm imagining a lot of checkdowns today. And uh, who better than to receive checkdowns than Deion Lewis? I'm going to pick him in this matchup. I'm going to be the contrarian here. What scares me is basically everything about this Titans offense right now. They did not come out in week one. You know, granted, not great circumstances with the storms that you had there, the delays of games. But um, it's mostly has to do with they were not in sync. You don't know what's going on with the quarterback position. And like I've been um, in my reports on one side, on their on their right side of their offensive line, they're on their third string tackle that was on the practice squad yesterday. And then on the left side, you have your second string tackle. Not good for your running backs. Now, granted, he does a lot of damage out of the backfield. But what I like about TJ Yeldon is Yeldon's going to be the guy today. And Yeldon catches passes as well. Um, I don't think New England's uh, all-world against the run. I think they're fine. But... Um, I do think Yeldon's going to get the usage and has a little bit more um, going for him as far as the rest of the team around him. Flex, Chris Thompson or Royce Freeman? Um, I'm going to assume PPR because most leagues are PPR now, but uh, that this one does not say. I'm going Chris Thompson on this one. I, I wasn't sure how he was going to be able to rebound from his injury last year. It was a pretty, big, pretty gnarly one, but he was great before he got hurt. And also with the new quarterback, I wasn't sure how Alex Smith was going to do with him compared to Kirk Cousins. But what we saw is six catches, a touchdown, uh, a decent amount of carries as well. And he led the team in targets uh, in the passing game. So I'm all about Chris Thompson as long as he stays healthy, because let's not forget Alex Smith likes to check down a lot. We call him Mr. Checkdown as well. And that means Chris Thompson will get the ball a lot. Now, Royce Freeman, I think, is a great, solid starting running back. But what was concerning for his owners in week one was that Philip Lindsay got exact even share of the touches as Royce Freeman did. So if it's not a goal line situation, Royce Freeman's not catching any passes. He was literally not involved in the passing game. And if it's not a goal line situation, you're going to rely on touchdowns for him because he's just going to be a regular running back. That's not going to catch passes. And because of that, I will go Chris Thompson on this one. Um, I, I am going to preference this with PPR Chris Thompson, standard Royce Freeman. So there you go. You you can take that. You know what kind of league you're in. Standard Royce, PPR Thompson. This one's a really tough one for me. Jared Goff or Kirk Cousins today? Both uh, very, very good potential to have big games every week. Uh, Kirk Cousins is facing the Green Bay defense, which... Not the best, although played very well in the second half against the Bears last week. Jared Goff going up against the Arizona defense, which uh, did not play super well in week one either against Alex Smith and the Redskins. I think I'm going to go Cousins on this one just because of Todd Gurley. 
Todd Gurley being on the Rams means that the floor of Jared Goff is lower because so much of the offense is based around Todd Gurley. Uh, you could certainly have big blow of games from Goff, but with Gurley there, I think that kind of caps it a little bit, whereas I think the Vikings are a little bit more reliant on Kirk Cousins. So I'll say Kirk Cousins. Um, First game at home for the Rams. Uh, they came out, looked really, really good uh, in Oakland week one. First half, not great, but the, the second half really did a, a good job breaking out. Just got so many weapons around him. Um, same thing could be said of Kirk Cousins. I, I kind of have the same fear for Cousins that I do for um, Goff and the fact that I think I, I know it's not a one-headed monster in Gurley. It's mostly a one-headed monster with Dalvin Cook, but Latavius Murray being in there as well, they very much like that run game as well. Um, and I I think that uh, with that defense, they, they like to, you know, play, um, play lower-scoring games. So, I, honestly, I like the upside of the Rams' offense. Not to say that there's not upside with Thielen and Diggs and those guys, but just the, the style of play. Uh, I, I think I'll go golf PPR league at my flex Dion Lewis, Chris Thompson, or James white. Uh, so Jesse's point about Dion Lewis. I think it's a good one with the offensive line being as injured as it is in Tennessee. And James white now has to contend with Sony Michelle, who was active for the game. And uh, he now James white was the second, had the second most snaps as running back last week for the Patriots behind Rex Burkhead. And he did catch a touchdown and he, it was catching passes. He is a good PPR player. But he's going against the Jacksonville defense with now a new mouth to feed in that backfield, whereas Chris Thompson, I, I just talked about him in the last bit there. I'm going to go with uh, Chris Thompson in this one. I I like Thompson as well for basically all the reasons that you just stated. Quarterback Russell Wilson or Cam Newton. Uh, I'm going Cam Newton on this one. Uh, honestly, I... I'm avoiding the Seahawks like the plague this year. I really don't think they're that good. And Russell Wilson will have some great games and he'll carry them to some wins, but I just don't view them as that good of a team this year. He's got no protection on the offensive line. And I'm just, I'm, I know he had a good week one in terms of fantasy numbers, but I'm worried about that. Whereas I think Cam Newton, and I'm just looking here, he's ranked almost num number one by every expert on ESPN as the number one quarterback this week. And I think the rush, his rushing ability and the fact that he can get rushing touchdowns is always a big key for Cam Newton. So I'll go Cam. Um, I mean, normally I would honestly kind of always go uh, Wilson over Cam, mostly for the consistency there that you have there. Um, but I think you, you said a lot of right things about how Russell Wilson, those, the, the offensive line stinks, the, Skill players around them, not as good. They've just every year kind of consistently um, kind of deteriorated on the road for a second week. Granted, he had a, a pretty good week last week with the three touchdowns, 298 yards. Um, he, he didn't do anything really rushing for the most part. So um, I think he still has a high ceiling, but you know, he was sacked six times last week. I could see that continuing again with Khalil Mack. Um, uh I'll probably go Cam Newton uh, just because you know he's going to get that rushing. They're going to use him that way. Uh, do I wait on Leonard Fournette and bench Jamal Williams with Rashad Penny as my only backup, or do I, st I stick with Williams? Stick with Williams. I don't think Fournette's playing today, so stick with no. Williams. Yeah, no. And Rashad um, Penny is a terrible backup option. Yes. <laughs> don't don't play Rashad Penny. I, I, I'm definitely not playing him first game back. 
both non PPR wide receiver to Quincy and Nunu on the Jets or Chris Hogan on the, the Patriots. Um, Hogan has a higher ceiling, but Hogan only had one catch in week one and now gets to face that lovely Jacksonville secondary. Quincy and Nunu, I just looked this up, was targeted on. I want. Well, where is where did it go? Oh God, I lost it. There it is. He was targeted on forty three percent of his routes. Ah, close. Forty three percent of his routes in week one. That's good. Yeah. And uh, that means that Sam Darnold likes the underneath routes with Anunwa, and I would take him over Chris Hogan. Um, man, this to me is one of those situations where I I don't necessarily think that Hogan is going to face the worst that Jacksonville has to offer in that secondary. Uh, There's a lot of worse than that secondary, though. Yes. Um, I mean, he's going to be playing out of the slot, which is the best place for a receiver to play. Um, he won't 100% be out of the slot, but he has been taking a good majority of snaps out of the slot, which is how you attack that Jaguars defense with a wide receiver. Uh, and then it's Jalen Ramsey has already come out and said he wants to be on Gronk. So I think there is some really high upside being in that. Obviously you're with Tom Brady. You're in that new England offense. Um, it, to me, it is if you think you're going to need a huge home run to win this week, I'm going to roll out Chris Hogan. If you think you just need a nice safe floor, which often is my case, I'm just looking for the safe floor. Quincy and Uh We have flex. This is a tough one. Brandon Marshall, Rex Burkhead, Matt Breida, Jamison Crowder or Cooper Cup. Um, generally, in these conversations, I like to take the running back for a more stable floor in this situation. Now, that would mean Rex Burkhead, but Rex Burkhead has one of the toughest matchups this week against the Jacksonville defense, which is very, very, very good. Probably the best in the NFL. Um, Brandon Marshall, good red zone threat for the Seahawks, but uh, it's, it's risky. It's a big boomer bust play right there. Matt Breida, I'm not sure about the running game in San Francisco right now. I love Cooper Cup. I love Cup. I think he's really good. I think he's going to get a lot of targets every single game from Jared Goff. He's kind of their only good red zone receiver. He's better than Robert Woods and Brandon Cooks in the red zone, so that's a good plus for him in terms of and for you getting points from him. So he'd probably be the only one here outside of Burkhead, but I think I'm still taking Burkhead just for the floor. I I like Cup. Um, Non-PPR. Non-PPR. Uh, I mean, he got nine nine targets last week. He is, like you said, the red zone guy there. Rex Burkhead is really, honestly, I'm I'm scared of guys that are kind of playing on that that tweener injury report where they're like every week you're like, I don't know if he's going to play. He's getting limited practices in, so I think he's going to get out there. Like, that scares me. It's, it's like Devonta Freeman who ignored getting the surgery in the offseason, first game back by the third quarter. He's out for the next couple weeks. So that's what scares me about putting a guy in there that has that possibility, real possibility of getting injured early in that game. Um, whereas, once again, I, th I think this is going to be kind of the similar as to last time. Like, I think Burkhead has the higher floor. So if you need a guy with a, or a higher ceiling, I should say. If you need a guy with a higher ceiling, I'd roll Burkhead out there. If you want a guy who I think is a little bit safer, I think that's Cup. All right, let's break. Coming up next, we'll wrap this up on Football Sunday on The Fan. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. All right, we got eight minutes, so let's get through this as quickly as we can. Tom Brady or Jimmy Garoppolo? Ooh, interesting, because Brady's playing the Jaguars. 
but I think I will always in this scenario pick Tom Brady. Now Garoppolo is playing Detroit. I don't think Detroit's as bad as they looked against the uh, the, the Jets in Week One, but their defense did look pretty bad. Um, but I'm going to say Tom Brady. Always, I always pick Tom Brady in this scenario. Um, I don't. Um, I. I think these guys could end up having very similar days, but I think the possibility of Jimmy Garoppolo having a better day is a little bit better. Um, he, despite his multiple picks last week, didn't look as bad as people want to say. It's, uh, that was one of those the, the toughest situations that you can start your season with in Minnesota uh, with a team that has a chip on their shoulder the way last season ended. Um, yeah, no, that, that no Marquis that, Goodwin for him though. Yeah, no Marquis Goodwin. Um, that is a little bit worrisome, but he's going to have Kittle. He's going to have, uh, Pierre Garçon. Um, this new rookie Pettis is actually pretty good. So, uh, Brita in the backfield's a great pass catching back. So I, I think I'm mostly just doing this out of respect for the Jaguars. So I'll go, I'll go, um, Jimmy G. Uh, we did have a question about George Kittle. I don't remember this, but he said that Last week, we kind of poo-pooed George Kittle against uh, Evan Ingram. I, well, I, I think it was we want to see it. Right. Because well, he hadn't been in preseason all, all, all year. So well, we saw it, and he led the team in targets yes. and had five catches. So please do start George Kittle. Yeah, no, no. He, he was on my bench last week, too. I just want to let you all know he was on my bench for Eric Ebron. So Ebron mm. did fine for me. Got a he, touchdown. He got a touchdown. I think he actually outscored Kittle just a little bit in, in PPR. But, uh, no, Kittle's – I dropped Ebron. Kittle's in my lineup. He's ready to rock and roll. But fantasy, especially week one, is with guys like that, you need to see it before you buy it. Uh, PPR, Chris Carson, Chris Thompson. I think if you've listened so far, Chris Thompson is the answer on this one. Yep. Um, Matt Breida or Rex Burkhead to replace Le'Veon Bell for RJ, who is very angry about Le'Veon Bell's situation. I'm going uh, Rex Burkhead on that one. I uh, just, I, I don't, Alfred Morris did not play well in week one. So that does open the door for Matt Breida, but uh, not, not trusting him yet. Um, I, once again, I just, I, out of respect for the defense, Rex Burkhead going against the Jaguars, Alf, uh, um, Scar, excuse me, Breida going against Detroit, do I think Detroit's as bad as they were in week one? No, but at the same time, um, they're coming off a Monday night game, short week uh, at San Francisco. They're on the road. I'll take Brita. Uh, PPR league Landry cooks in digs. Which one do I sit? Give me some, uh, I'm sorry. I'm just going to roll out there. I just, uh, give me some digs and give me some Landry in this game. Okay. I'll go with you. That's a tough one. I'll go with you. But yeah, Cooks, is, there's a lot of mouths to feed in LA. Yep. So if you have to choose, I'd say choose Diggs and Landry. Uh, Jared Goff or Jimmy Garoppolo? Uh, I'm going to go Garoppolo in that one against Detroit's defense. I will do the same. Uh, uh, McCaffrey or Ajayi, PPR, McCaffrey. That one's the easy one for me. Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. Run CMC is going to have a big day. In fact, uh, I don't think in the last three years, basically um, in the last three years, no team, no defense has been worst against receiving running backs. Just going to throw that out there. So uh, should be a good day for uh, run CMC. Uh, Devin Funches, Golden Tate in the flex. That's a Golden Tate, my man. I will also take Golden Tate. I, I don't, I, Funches to me is a guy who, who will never live up to the hype. I have a feeling. He's been hyped for like four years. I think he's a great wide receiver for this season. 
four this season? A, a, a wide receiver four. Oh, wide receiver four. Gotcha. Yeah, or you're five. Fourth, you're you know, fourth wide receiver. Yeah, this fourth year. or fifth wide receiver. You know, a bi week fill in basically. Andrew Luck or Russell Wilson? Luck. Yeah, Luck did look good. Luck's back. It looks I, back, I and he's back. got a. I mean, I know he's not throwing the deep ball like he has, but he's doing that more Tom Brady, Chad Pennington, short uh, passing game, which means, guess what? He's not going to throw as many interceptions. He's still going to throw you touchdowns. He had what two two touchdowns last week, so I um, I like Luck again this week. Uh, flex position standard league pick two: Allen Robinson, Chris Thompson, Marshawn Lynch. Uh, I'm going to go standard, not PPR. I'm going to go Allen Robinson for sure. He looked pretty good in week one. Marshawn did not. And he's facing a Denver defense, which gave up no rushing yards last week, essentially. So I'm going to go Chris Thompson on that one. Um, ditto. Standard league tight end Jack Dorsey, uh, David Njoku, or Seattle's new Will Disley. Don't ask me why I have three bad tight ends on my team. <laughs> I don't think Njoku's bad. I also don't think Dorsey's necessarily bad, right? No. Um, you is it Dorsey or Doyle? Is he saying Jack Doyle? Jack. Oh, if it's Doyle, it's it, that's a, a fine tight end. He's going to be the. I don't think there is a Dorsey, to be honest with you. So, yeah, I think well, he means Jack Doyle. Well, and then, now, I would, then I would start Jack Doyle. If, is he talking about Will Disley? Well, he, he did mention oh, he did Disley mention, as well. Disley, I need to see it some more. Now, granted, he had five targets last week. That was pretty impressive for a rookie in his first game. Uh, over 100 yards, had a touchdown. Um, that is how you attack the Denver Broncos. When you have an elite secondary, when you can stop the run game, typically the best way to attack a, a defense like that is through the air uh, with a tight end. So um, I, I need to see it again. I don't think Njoku's bad. And now you think about it, they don't have Josh Gordon this week. They, they're they literally just getting rid of Josh Gordon. Njoku had, I think, eight targets last week. Uh, I like him again this week. Uh, I, I think a, a good bounce back week for him. Over Doyle, you're going to pick Njoku? Uh, I Yes, okay. I, I think I think Njoku is going to end up having a great season. Uh, okay, I'm going to take uh, Doyle in this one, but I do agree that Njoku will have a good season. Just want to continue to see it. Um, flex PPR, Lamar Miller, Will Fuller, and I have Deshaun Watson. Ooh. That's flex PPR, you said? Yeah. Uh, Miller. Um, Miller actually did yeah. look pretty good. He's just got – he's going to be – the main workload guy, he does catch balls. Um, I, he just looked so good with Watson last year, and even though Watson didn't look good week one, uh, Miller still looked really good. Miller is, has been good with Deshaun Watson at quarterback. He's been so good with Deshaun Watson at quarterback. So Weird. don't don't feel like you need to avoid him just because he was inconsistent without him. I want to see it from Will Fuller before he's before I put him in my lineup. I have in a couple, him, in, him in a couple of leagues as well. Last one, we have 40 seconds. Case Keenum or Sam Darnold at the quarterback position. Mm. Give me some Keenum. That's a tough one because Darnold looked so good in week one, but I also think Detroit's defense looked really bad. I'm going to go Keenum on this one as well. There right. you go. That's our fantasy scramble. Thanks so much for all the text. Really appreciate it. If I didn't get to yours, I apologize. And, um, oh, Nelson Aguilar, Kenny Stills, quickly. Flex. Stills. Stills. I agree. Um, I'm going to tweet that back to the person now. Okay. Coming up next, we have just how impressive the Aaron Rodgers performance was last week. This is Football Sunday on The Fan.